This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Even at the high school level, volleyball games can be just as popular as football and basketball, especially during rivalry matches and state tournaments. For some Native athletes, the sport can also be a connection to college, but it's also a way for people to have fun and get exercise even as adults. We'll talk with coaches and volleyball players about their recent season and why the sport deserves more attention after National Native News. This is National Native News. I'm Jill Freitas from KMBA in Anchorage, Alaska, filling in for Antonia Gonzalez. Interior Department Secretary Deb Holland told tribal leaders Wednesday morning that President Joe Biden and the administration are committed to investing in tribes and strengthening nation-to-nation relationships. Joining virtually after testing positive for COVID-19, Holland addressed leaders virtually in remarks at the 2023 White House Tribal Nation Summit. Holland says some of their accomplishments are protecting cultural resources, working to address decades of federal underfunding to tribes, water infrastructure investments, and investigating Indian boarding schools. This is our third year in office, and now things look very different because we have taken your words and feedback and put them into action. Throughout this administration, our work is guided by Indian country for Indian country because representation matters. Leaders in attendance, like all Pueblo Council of Governors Chairman Mark Mitchell from New Mexico, says tribal leaders are holding the administration accountable. Making sure that um, the federal government, by way of the president, holds, we hold them to his um, his words from last year. Uh, we want to we want to hear what type of um, or how the report is for this year from last year. It's imperative that the leadership here, that we do have that government-to-government relationship. Mitchell was among a handful of tribal leaders who met with President Biden privately moments before the president delivered his remarks. Biden announced and signed an executive order, which he says affirms tribal self-governance and cuts red tape when it comes to federal funding. It requires federal agencies to streamline grant applications, to co-manage federal programs, to eliminate heavy-handed reporting requirements that gives tribes more autonomy to make your own decisions, not to mention it's more efficient. Brandon Yellowbird-Stevens, vice chair of the Oneida Nation of Wisconsin, hopes the order will streamline the process. Many tribes, it doesn't even matter if you're small or large and have the infrastructure, it becomes cumbersome managing the grants, the strings attached, the reporting, and many times tribes just don't have the capacity to seek out the grants. And when they do, they need extensions, uh, they need to afford the funding and whatnot. And what this executive order hopefully fulfills is more ability and autonomy for tribes to utilize that funding, take it how we need it, and utilize it at the rate we need to. The order also creates a clearinghouse for tribes to find federal funds. The White House Tribal Leader Summit continues Thursday at the Interior Department. 
Southeast Alaska is mourning the loss of a Haida elder from Craig, who died at the age of 102. The Clinton and Haida Central Council shared the news of Fred Hamilton Sr.'s passing by saying he walked out into the forest. Hamilton was one of the raven moiety and owl, brown bear, and flicker crests. The council says the elder, who was born in 1921 and the middle of nine children, was the oldest known living Haida. Whether it was serving on school boards or city councils or as a volunteer firefighter and a timekeeper at school's basketball games, volunteering was important to Hamilton. At his 100th birthday celebration, he gave this advice, be friendly, help others, and do not dwell on bad things that may happen in life. I'm Jill Freitas. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by Drummond Woodsum, a full-service law firm whose nationally recognized tribal nations practice provides services to tribal nations and their enterprises and to companies that do business with tribes across the country. More at dwmlaw.com. Does your club, institution, or other group need custom-branded apparel? A wide variety of t-shirts, hoodies, and much more, all custom-printed or embroidered, are available from nativescreenprinting.com, a division of Skyscreen Printing who support this program. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Volleyball is a fast-paced, intense sport. The action is most exciting when each player on the court, hitters, blockers, setters, and defenders, work together to maintain an extended volley with the opposing team. Especially popular for girls at the high school level, volleyball instills valuable lessons, including the importance of teamwork, fitness, and exercise. For some, the sport also leads to recruitment by college teams. For others, the passion for the sport turns into coaching the next generation of volleyball players. And this hour, we'll speak with native volleyball coaches and former players about this year's season. We also want to hear about why the game matters to them, and you can tell us why you love the game too. Volleyball fans, give us a call at 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-996-2848. Get your calls in early. We'll get you on the air. one 800 99-NATIVE. Speaking with us now from Lawrence, Kansas, is Pam So. She's the assistant coach for the Haskell Indian Nations University Volleyball Team. She's Dene. Pam, welcome to Native America Calling. Hi, thank you for having me. In St. Francis, South Dakota, we're joined by Danny Walking Eagle. She's the Lakota Nation Invitational Volleyball Director. She's from the Rosebud Sioux Tribe. Hi, Danny. Great to have you on the show. Hi, thanks for having me. And in Santa Fe, New Mexico, we have Joseph Garcia. He's the head coach for the Santa Fe Indian School Lady Braves volleyball team. He's from the Pueblo of San Felipe. Hello, Joseph. Thanks for joining us. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having me. I'd like to go ahead today and start off with Pam 
And Pam, tell us more about the Lady Indians 2023 volleyball season that just wrapped up. Share some highlights. Gosh, where to begin? Okay, so the uh, the Haskellian Nations women's volleyball team uh, finished their season uh, 17 and 21. Um, however, you know, it takes some time for teams to build some some synchronicity and, you know, some team chemistry. And so we really kicked it in at the end of the season, which where it mattered. Uh, we ended up finishing second in the conference, the runner-up in the CAC conference, which is, uh, so Haskell is part of the NAIA, which is the National Association of Intercollegiate Athletics. And uh, they are under the CAC conference, which is the Continental Athletic Conference. And so we uh, finished runner-up there, um, didn't get a bid to go to nationals, which in some conferences, if you finish uh, first or second within your conference, you can go on to go to the NAI uh, championships. But for our conference, they only take just the one team. Um, so we missed it just by hair. Um, we finished that game runner-up, the last set. It was a fifth set, 13 to 15, so as close as you can get, a great championship match. Uh, players showed up very well. Um, they earned so many uh, conference, uh, like all first team, second team, honorable mentions, conference you know, nominations that were nominated by the other teams of the conference, which is, you know, something they can hold with pride. And they also were nominated uh, all region. Um, so if that doesn't say anything about our girls, that, you know, they showed up really well and they continue to work hard and, um, it was a great, a great season, and we're looking forward to, to next because we're not losing very many um, of our players. Well, that's great, Pam. It sounds like a really exciting season, a successful season. Tell us more about some of your standout players. Who really stepped up this year? Wow. So we have, a, we have plenty, you know, of players with potential, players who, who are on the court, you know, people who are a girl who – you know, are on the sidelines, still putting in the same work as all the others, um, but still show up and give, you know, the starters a challenge. And so we credit them a lot because we wouldn't be able to compete at the level that we did without, you know, the competition we had in-house. Um, but notably, you know, all around, uh, we had a standout freshman, um, Trusted Jim is her name. She's from uh, the Potawatomi, just around here. And uh, she was able to, you know, nab freshman, co-freshman player of the year with the conference. And she was also also the all-region freshman player of the year, which is, you know, region-wide, which is pretty huge. Um, so she was our standout player. But we also had a lot of instrumental players, you know, because it takes six, right, six on the court to make a team. So we had tremendous middles. Very smart, very you know experienced, and those who are those those two positions are the gaps that we are going to have to fill for next season. But they were instrumental in our defense completely. We also had uh, Defender of the Year, who Nakuma Pelt, she was our libero standout player, uh, reads the ball well. Just you know, if you ha if you want a libero, you want them to go after everything, and that's exactly mm -hmm. what she did. She would go after everything. You know, nothing was you know untouchable for her. Um, and, you know, got back behind the line and started serving, was very good at um, giving us points, even though she's not able to give us points as a libero. Um, we also had standout other outside hitters. Um, Makia Shepard, she's, you know, probably 5'3", but she can jump higher than most. And so that was a shocker for a lot of teams to see. You know, she can get up and she can just 
hammer away at that ball, and it's just amazing to see. If you want to see someone who goes up with no fear, that that is her. Um, we had a lot of good. <laughs> we have other good defenders too, uh, Brianna Mitchell. I, again, we can't win a lot of games without having solid defense, and so Brianna mm-hmm. came up towards the end of the season and was just making so many great plays, so many good reads, so crucial. And you know, again, everybody had a, a great part in this team and the success and where it went as far as it did. And so I can't – it's hard to pinpoint, you know, a star player um, because everyone had a shiny moment throughout the whole season. And I think they'll still continue to grow, and we'll see them come up more as they go on throughout their eligibility. Pam, this just sounds like such an exciting and fun team to watch. And and tell me more about your recruiting efforts. I mean, do you recruit players from all over the country, or do you – hone in on specific tribes or communities or regions in the country. I mean, where do some of the best uh, Haskell volleyball players come from? Um, so recently, I think, uh, so coach, uh, head coach Alta St. Pierre, she is, she does all of her recruiting on her own. So I know most like division one universities or maybe even D2, D3, they have a special recruiting like person who goes out and does the recruiting for the head coach. However, for, you know, Haskell, um, Alta, Coach Alta does all of her recruiting. So she does these uh, recruiting based on, you know, referrals, recommendations, but we also, on Haskell, we also, the athletics website, we also have, like, an interest form. So we get a lot of, you know, players who are interested. They fill out the form, um, tell us about themselves, you know, send us a video if they can, and then we further, you know, push the conversation or we – you know, she goes out to meet them or sets up, you know, campus visits or tours. Um, but it's been everywhere. We we have players from all over the country. Um, they're not really coming from a certain spot. Um, before, mm-hmm. you know, back when I played, it was mostly like Southwest, so like the New Mexico, Arizona region area. But now we are seeing players from Montana, Alaska, um, Wyoming, um, where else? Sometimes, you know, some like on the basketball teams here, they'll get players from Florida, um, Texas, you know, they're, they're recruiting is all over everywhere. Yeah, it's all over. And, yeah. um, it, it, it's, Pam, are, are you able to out- offer scholarships to any of the players? Uh, so currently, the, as low cost as Haskell Indian Nation is, um, the tuition is so low that we don't offer athletic scholarships because most of the people, the athletes who um, enroll on campus usually get money back. So it's kind of Mm -hmm. a, you know, a lot of the students benefit from that. Well, Pam, you just mentioned uh, you played volleyball yourself at Haskell. When were were you on the team and and, and what was that experience like? So I was on the team um, from 2008 to 2000. 12, I believe. Gosh, it's been, I feel like it's been so long that I always forget, like, when did I finish? I'm not even sure. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I did uh, play four years, um, not right out of high school because I was, wasn't sure what I wanted to do post high school, but, you know, found my way somehow, you know, um, my dad, he was like, yeah, Haskell in a newspaper, he was like, Haskell in the nations is having a tryout at, you know, Ganado, Arizona. You want to go? Like, oh, sure. Why not? Let's, let's give it a shot. And so tried it and, you know, didn't know what Lawrence, Kansas looked like, where it was, um, what Haskell looked like, and just said, let's go, let's do it. 
And so found myself out here for four years, and to this day I'm still here, but I wouldn't have changed it for anything. Um, being a part of the Haskell Volleyball Program has been beneficial in so many ways, and it's a, it's a network on its own um, because there are so many alumni uh, players who finished the program or who started who have gone on to do so many important things within their communities and that it's such a great network networking uh, opportunity for anyone who would want to be a part of the program. Mm-hmm. And was it tough to make that transition from being a player to a coach? Um, yeah, I would think so. I, I, always, I see a commonality between um, players who, you know, who really invest themselves into being an athlete so they're, they're an athlete for, you know, for so long, maybe like from, I don't know, for my case, I was, I was on a, like an official team from fourth grade to, you know, high school and then finish, then going on to being a collegiate athlete for, you know, additional four years. So that many years of just having kind of a one identity and a, a really passionate too about that identity and then not having it anymore was really tough. So that transition was really hard and it was like, well, who, who am I now? What, what do I do now mm-hmm. with myself or like who, who am I to, you know, what do I contribute now? And so um, na- naturally the next step is just you, how do I still be a part of the game? And so that is with coaching mm-hmm. and uh, coaching when you first finish, it's a bit of a weird um, transition because sometimes when you're, uh, for me, for example, when you're coaching, you go through um, transitionary <laughs> Like a friend. Pam, do me a favor. Do me a favor, Pam. Hold that thought. We're going to have to take a short break, but we come back and want you to tell us more about what that transition was like for you becoming a coach after being a player. Give us a call, volleyball fans. 1 800 99 Native. The Barbie doll has enjoyed steady popularity for more than 60 years and is especially hot right now because of the recent movie. But turning a revered Cherokee leader into a Barbie doll is prompting both praise and criticism about the best way to honor Native individuals and tribes. We're bringing that discussion to the next Native America Calling. Yat A. Our elders are sacred and deserve the best. Check in on them and make sure they have the health care coverage they need. For more information, visit healthcare.gov slash coverage or call 1-800-318-2596. A message from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Ahieha. You're listening to Native America Calling. We're talking volleyball today with Haskell Indian Nations University assistant coach Pam So, along with other volleyball coaches from different schools and native communities. Join our conversation. Tell us how your hometown volleyball team did this season, or if there are any volleyball players you'd like to give a shout out to. We're at 1-800-996-2848. Pam, before we went to break, you were talking a little bit about that transition, uh, being a player. It sounds like it's kind of tough to just get out of that mindset of being a competitor and being on the court yourself and then having to coach players who are on the court. Yeah, so what I was trying to articulate was that um, it was hard because the people, the team, the girls that you were trying to coach were once your teammates. And so that was always the weirdest part is like, oh, how do I tell my 
my once teammate, I need them to do this drill or I need them to execute this way or I'm seeing this and how do I get them to uh, figure it out? Uh, so that was always just, a, that was the weird, the weirdest transition I think is probably being taken seriously by my other, mm. who were my teammates at one point. <laughs> um, but once you get past that, you know, I think you really build some credibility within yourself and your, your confidence goes up and you realize like, oh, I am meant to do this because I am passionate about it. I, I know what I'm talking about and I know how to help. Well, Pam, thanks for kicking off our conversation today. I'm going to move along now to Danny Walking Eagle, who's up in South Dakota. She is the volleyball director for the Lakota Nation Invitational. That's that big, big tournament every year up in Rapid City, South Dakota, LNI. And Danny, again, thank you for joining us. And uh, LNI, volleyball has not always been a part of the Lakota Nation Invitational. When was it introduced? It was introduced in 1994 by myself, so we are in our 28th year now as an official LNI event. And what was it that motivated you to bring volleyball into LNI? Because traditionally, people always think of LNI and basketball, right? Right. And in South Dakota, pretty much as much as everywhere else, you know, basketball is king. But in order to get the sport of volleyball out there, I asked one of the board members, you know, to put the spotlight. That was when the uh, volleyball season was with, um, you know, um, were opposite. So volleyball season was with boys basketball at that time when I made that um, request to be part of LNI. So um, I wanted to highlight it, highlight our athletes and bring the sport of volleyball out and put some light on it. So I made that request to the LNI board at the time in 1994. 1994 so we're going on 30 years and volleyball is a fall sport so your volleyball tournament it's actually it's not going to be next week as part of the the winter LNI no. games it's, it, it's held in the fall right right now it's in the fall because South Dakota switched like every other state and moved volleyball to you know the fall and then put girls basketball in with the boys basketball so it's in the fall at the end of September okay September. And well, tell us a little bit about your volleyball journey, Danny. I mean, you've been involved with the sport for a long time, both as a coach and as a player and as a coordinator. And when did you first start playing? I started in uh, 1980 and I graduated in 85. But um, my senior year, we were runner up state champ uh, in the state. Uh, the next year in 86, they were state champs. But we had a dynasty going from 1984. We had a run from 84 to 89 in the state tournament. So we had a really big dynasty. We were recruited to a lot of NAIA. We did have two that were recruited to NCAA. Um, we did summer AAU volleyball, you know, the Junior Olympics. So we did a lot of things. Our coaches were top coaches. Um, and so from that point, I made the transition to college at the University of Mary in North, North Dakota, Bismarck. And then when I came back, I coached for 10 years. I did volleyball for 10 years, and then um, I became an administrator. Didn't have a lot of time to do the coaching, so I took the transition into being a board member for L&I and then bringing, you know, still running the tournament on top of that. And then um, the last two years, I was on the South Dakota High School Activities Association, too, so that I can still provide opportunities in volleyball and mm -hmm. in any sport. So it's been a long journey, well, but 
something I enjoy. It sounds like it, and you're involved with the sport on so many different levels. It's just fascinating to hear uh, all your experience and your perspectives. Danny, I'm going to go ahead and take a phone call right now. We've got Chanupa, who's listening uh, not too far from where you are. He's in Pine Ridge. He tunes in every day on Keeley. Hello, Chanupa. How are you doing? Hey, thank you. Ropeda to you for this subject, Sean. This is going out to Danny and Pam. Hey, honey, we changed a long kit hop in the this was back in um it should be around when you were going to school there, Danny, and, and, and Pam understanding it because of your perspective. Frank Lemire, the late Frank Lemire, uh he was a democratic, you know, um individual that did a lot of activist work. And here our 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 Indian women was part of this big um, gathering of, of all these volleyball players back in UNL back in 1987. And they beat all these teams. There was one girl. Her name was Candace Daniels. She was about 6'2", six, 6'3". Six, six, a big girl, big tall girl, beautiful. One. All our sisters wore braids when they played, okay? And they went up to all these colleges, and they ranked number one, and nobody was really paying attention but Frank. And so Candace spiked the ball, and reluctantly the ball hit this Caucasian girl and broke her nose. So they tried to take the um, first place and the championship away from our girls. So AIM was called in. They called um, the Belcourt brothers. Nobody stepped in. Then they called Russell Means. So Russell Means told Frank Lemire, get a hold of them dog soldiers from Pine Ridge. Shut up on them guys will come down. Tell them Russell Means said to go. So we went down there and we protested for them. And lo and behold, the sports administration, they put that whole thing to a squabble. They stopped it and said, hey, that's what comes with sports. Now, and just like Pine Ridge, we had Darby Steele, Nally uh, Long. These were girls that coached our Indian girls to do the, uh, the, uh, the undoable. Let's just put it that way. And so I want to thank both of you matriarchs. Danny and Pam for doing man courageous job of keep, keeping our little girls out of trouble. Love you guys for that from Pine Ridge. Thank you, Sean, for taking my call. Ha-ho! Well, thank you, Chanupa. And that is, that is one interesting story that Chanupa just shared. And, and Danny, uh, the name Candace Daniels, does that ring a bell? Yep. You know, if that was 1987, I graduated 85. And, you know, I'm not sure it was – what team, I mean, you know, in South Dakota, it's like all the Pine Ridge schools are really tough. They're tough players. Mm-hmm. Um, Nellie Long is still in there, one of the winningest coaches, one of the longest um, coaches in volleyball, still producing some great athletes out of um, Pine Ridge. I'm not sure that I recognize the name, but, again, I was away for a while in college. So, Well, tell us more about your college years. Uh, what position did you play, Danny? I was a setter. I was a setter, and so um, I feel I feel that our high school program was much tougher than our college program because we were light years ahead of of the program that I went into. So we played um, the varsity level right away. All our recruits coming out of St. Francis played right away in the varsity level. Um, we were trained, you know, really efficiently. And our coach was way ahead of his time. So we did a lot of, 
I mean, and we were in the Junior Olympics too, so we had we were we represented South Dakota as a South Dakota pheasant. So um, it was, I mean, it was it was just good to have the camaraderie and see other girls that were really committed to the sport. Mm -hmm. Danny, a lot of different positions on the court. In your opinion, what's what's the toughest one to play? I would say it would be the defensive specialist or that libero because, you know, nothing can start without that first, that first player. And that person has to have, you know, um, nerves of steel in order to get that play into action because you couldn't do it without it. And, you know, there's some really good servers out there. Um, so that person has to be an all-around, too, because they're all over the court. You know, they might have to take a set at some time, too. If something, you know, goes, you know, if someone else takes that first hit or that first bump. So I would say the libero or the defense specialist. Okay. Pam, how about you? Would you agree with that? Defense specialist, toughest toughest position on the court? Um, I do agree that, you know, uh, you can't start your play. You can't run your, off your offense without a great first pass because whether you want to run uh, a fast tempo um, offense, it has to be a, a very great pass. And so while I agree that, you know, it, it, you do need that first pass, however, I think the hardest, you know, the, or at least the hardest working maybe uh, position is be, maybe it's a bias, <laughs> maybe it's a biased answer, but as a setter, which is, you know, what I finished that in my last two years at Haskell, um, just because you have to know, you have to know what's going on, on the, not only on your side, but on the other side. And how do you create um, an offense that'll get you that point? Because you have to always kind of think ahead. You have to have multiple tabs open and, you know, things in your back pocket. Like, what do I run if the, the play is, you know, is dead or if it doesn't run exactly as I thought it was going to be? What options do I have and who's on my team who I can go to? And, um, and you have to know each player's personality, too, as, as well. Just to, like their playing personality, not so much their personality, like personality. Um, how do they play and, you know, have to find that connection with each of them, with each of your, your hitters. So it's, it's a lot of a different type of work. And I think being a setter, because it's like a quarterback uh, position, I think. And I think that's mm -hmm. the hardest, the most challenging anyway. Yeah, it sounds like they've got a lot of leader, a big leadership role there on the court, the setter. We're going to take another call now. Julie, who is listening on KUNM in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Hello, Julie. Are you a volleyball fan? I am. Yes, yeah, so like you said, my name is uh, Julie Radoslovich, and I've played volleyball for 30 years before switching to that more gentle sport of swimming. And I just want to echo all that has been conveyed today. Volleyball teaches teamwork and keeps us healthy. And then I want to express this one other life lesson. It teaches court sense. Um, I'm running for a political office here in Albuquerque, and someone asked about my metaphor for the campaign, and I said, I see it like a game of volleyball. You always have to have good court sense, be aware of openings on the court, and swing around the blockers. So shout out to Danny, Pam, and Haskell Volleyball. <laughs> court sense. That's a great call. Appreciate it, Julie. And Danny, so I like that, that comment that, that Julie just made, court sense and just understanding the game of volleyball and how it applies to life. And have you been able to apply a lot of the skills you learned on the court to your life as well? Oh, definitely. You know, with group processing and being able to work with others, you know, even if you have differences, you have to be able to do that in order to move your team forward or in, and that goes with life. Even as a school superintendent, 
I use a lot of my coaching, you know, a lot of my coaching skills with my administrative team. So having that core sense, knowing your players, knowing their skill sets, you're going to put your best foot forward every time. Let's go ahead and bring Joseph Garcia into the conversation now. Joseph is the head coach for the Santa Fe Indian School Lady Braves volleyball team. Hello, Joseph. I appreciate you joining us again. And uh, let's start out with some highlights for, from this year's program there in Santa Fe. I, I understand your team had a really good postseason run. Um, yes, definitely. Again, thank you for having us. Um, Santa Fe Indian School volleyball this year made a historic run for our program, for our school in the sport of volleyball. Um, we were able to accomplish a feat that has never been done before. Um, we are state runner-ups in 3A um, volleyball here in New Mexico. Um, the team also made new highs with um, lots of recognition across the board, which has never been done um, within Santa Fe Indian School. We had six all-district um, award winners. We had five all-state winners. That has never been done. Um, we had two North-South All-Star representatives on um, the North-South All-Star team. The team was ranked um, second all season long. Um, we were a runner-up in a district that is considered to be one of the toughest in the state of New Mexico, regardless of class. And we were able to accomplish the highest seat um, that the school has ever received, which is um, the three seed in our state tournament. Um, just so many accomplishments across the board um, that we were able to achieve this season. But it's in large part to, to the type of ball and the type of system we were able to bring in to Santa Fe Indian School. And the girls buying into our system of playing and also getting out in the community to showcase what we have and bring in excitement, bring in joy, um, selling our program to our co respected communities. Um, it was a very, very exciting season. Um, once you're on this high, you, you, you always want it to continue. And, and I think that's where we're at right now is we want, we want more. I, I think we're hungry for more. We definitely want to do more for our school and the communities that we represent. Well, Joseph, congratulations on uh, second in the state. And, and you mentioned the, the Santa Fe Indian School style of volleyball. And, and tell us more about it. How, how is, what's, the, what's the culture and uh, what's, the, what's the theme of your team there at Santa Fe Indian School? Oh, I, I'd be happy to share that with you. <laughs> um, this year, each year, um, this is my second year coaching here at Santa Fe Indian School. Um, of course, if you don't know of Santa Fe Indian School, the school has a strong culture in basketball for um, boys and girls. Um, year in, year out, they're competing for championships um, in that sport, along with cross country. Um, volleyball has always been a staple at the state tournament, but um, we, we were um, never in championship Saturday um, um, tournament. Um, we won't make it through the first or the second round, but since taking over the program, we have grown the sport even more. 
um, to the point where our tryouts are even growing. Our off-season numbers are even growing. We're averaging over 50-plus girls for off-season. For, for tryouts, this year we had over 75 girls come out and try out. And, of course, as a coach, the hardest thing is to pick your top players that will represent the sport in your school um, for the mm-hmm. season. Um, this year, Joseph, year, I'm sorry. The, Quick, quick question, Joseph. So 75 tryouts, and how many did you have to cut? How many uh, players do you end up with for a full team? For a full team, we picked 32 from C team all the way to the varsity level. Um, okay, so, all right. Of course, so, numbers yeah, are that's... high. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have to take another jo- uh, break, Joseph. But yeah, that's a that's a tremendous turnout. Seventy five girls trying out for the Santa Fe Indian School Lady Braves volleyball team, and we're gonna talk more with Joseph and our other guests. And I encourage more people to call in and share your volleyball stories. One eight hundred nine nine six two eight four eight. Tribal Museums may offer no cost or reduced admission and special demonstrations during Tribal Museums Day, December 2nd through 10th. A Tribal Museum map and more is available at Indian-Affairs.org slash Tribal Museums Day, which support this show. Native American-made gifts at Ho-Chunk Inc.'s Sweetgrass Trading Co. include food, beauty, and wellness items from across Turtle Island. Christmas delivery available for orders placed by December 18th at SweetgrassTradingCo.com. Ho-Chunk Inc. supports this show. Thank you for tuning in. You are listening to Native America Calling. We're talking with volleyball coaches today. Like other high school athletes, volleyball players have a chance to take their skills to the college level. Do you play volleyball or does someone in your family play for a high school or college volleyball team? Join us and tell us why you love the sport of volleyball. Plenty of time to share your thoughts at 1-800-996-2848. That's also Oh, 1-800-99-NATIVE. Right now we have Joseph Garcia on the line, head coach of the Santa Fe In-School Lady Braves volleyball team. And Joseph, tell me more about uh, some of your players. Who were some of the hardest working players on your team this year? Well, um, all 12 of our girls that represent Santa Fe Indian School and, and all the way down to C-team, um, I can't pinpoint one because this is a team that really thrives off, thrives off of each other and putting in the work and pushing each other day in and day out. Um, we built a strong foundation with high expectations here. Um, yes, mm-hmm. we have um, Maria Bigay, who um, is second in the state with um, leading our kill department, but we also have a defensive specialist, our DS, um, Brenna Trancosa, who was up there right behind um, the state vote getter for um, DS of the year. Um, So she's doing very well. And I have Haley Aguilar, who will definitely push um, next year um, for player of the year, um, Aquilite. So we're excited. Um, we have a strong team coming back next year. Um, going back, we, we just built an overall foundation of success. Our C team went undefeated. Our JV team came in second in district. Down to our mid-school level, which is our feeder program, they also went undefeated and won many tournaments um, through the season. So overall, it's 
a collective effort. I I wish I could just pinpoint one, but our mm-hmm. girls know this is definitely a family, which is our our motto this this season. Um, we use that through the whole season, um, regardless of a win or loss. Um, we walked away knowing we're a family, um, and we did it together, and we did it holistically. We all put in the same amount of work to have a fruition of success, and that mm-hmm. carried us on and off the court in building strong Native women to be successful on and off the court and to represent their communities very well. Joseph, we're going to take another call. We've got Patricia, who is listening in Pine Hill, New Mexico, on station KTDB. Hello, Patricia. How are you doing? Hi. I'm doing great. Um, Yeah, all the way from Pine Hill, New Mexico. I am now the athletic director, was a teacher and coach at SFIS. It's a great school. And I just want to give Joseph Garcia a shout out. He did fabulous this year. He, um, it just gives me emotional to see that he's put so much effort and to building that program and to making um, young Native women powerful and have a voice and be shown that they can do it. And I love his motto of family. It's always been family there. And um, I, can, I believe he will continue to do great things there at Santa Fe Indian. I do believe he earned the right to be Coach of the Year. It's unfortunate nobody nominated him. Um, but, mm. you know, it's a stellar accomplishment in, um, you know, being runner-up at state um, Saturday State Championship. So congratulations to you, Joseph. Very proud of you. Miss you, too, by the way. <laughs> Thanks for that call, Patricia. Joseph, feel free to respond. Again, thank you. And this is what I mean about building a strong community foundation and having that support within the community knowing that our community is out there watching and using volleyball as a tool um, to teach our young ladies that there's a big future ahead of them. And touching on Coach So, um, hosting tryouts. Hey, Santa Fe Indian School is willing and ready to to host Haskell University for any tryouts. We have a lot Mm. of hidden gems here in our gym um, that we're willing to showcase and and put out there. Um, last year was one of our first years where we were, we were able to get a signee onto college for um, last year's team. And that's where the foundation started, is building that foundation and building that expectation. And our girls responded. They're resilient. They're hardworking. They're willing and thriving in any way they can to bring recognition to our program and it's exciting and something you want as a coach. And again, coach Chavez, thank you. Um, You know me, um, my girls make me shine and they're the ones out there (laughs) doing the work for me and responding in a manner where we see fit. Well, Joseph, I want Pam to respond to uh, to your offer to to bring Haskell out there and do some recruiting. And Pam, tell us a little bit more about that opportunity. Uh, you folks maybe going out there to to Santa Fe Indian School and and being involved with that program. And just what exactly does it take for for a high school player to make it to that that next level and, and play at a school like Haskell or even perhaps a D1 school, NCAA? What, what's all involved in that, Pam? Sure. Um, 
So the great thing of right now for players, young players in high school, is the um, positivity of social media and like technology. So it's it's really easy to do your create your own highlight video or your own highlight reel or post it. I think I think on Max Preps also the high school website you can do a huddle kind of video that you have in your gym, um, and we look through those things. Um, again, it's really hard. Um, me and Coach uh, St. Pierre talked about how it's hard to see. You, you'll go to you know, an open tournament of some sort around here, like a club volleyball tournament, but you can't tell who's native. And you don't want to go up to them and be, hey, you look native. Do you want to play for Haskell? Um, <laughs> so we have to build some sort of, you know, um, introduce ourselves, and get out there because, again, we don't have our own recruiter, so we have to do a lot of the legwork. And so it's a lot of mm -hmm. introducing yourselves and getting your name out there and getting your program out there and um, finding the gems uh, that are hidden because that's what, you know, unfortunately that it is for Native, uh, you know, players is that it, we know that they're out there, but how do we find them? And where do right. we go to find them? Um without club volleyball because sometimes that can be very expensive so not a lot of people a lot of girls have the opportunity to be a part of a club volleyball team so what we do as far as recruiting goes is we'll look at the state championships um like for on the nfhs um app and i'll start looking i'll start looking at players and then i'll pass along who i think you know coach you know st pierre this is who i saw what do you think you know and then she'll do the reaching out and um maybe discussing more opportunities with, you know, the sports, you know, director or AD director or reach out to the coach themselves. So those are, you mm -hmm. know, opportunities that we, you know, things that we do within our own, that we can control anyway, is helping ourselves to finding these gems. Pam, I think of sports like basketball and even football, and, and you have programs for young, young kids. I mean, kids are starting five, six years old. And do you have the same type of, of programs for volleyball for, for young Native kids to get started and introduced to the sport at a very young age? Not that I'm – I'm not sure how it works as far as, like, back on the reservations where I'm from. I know they do a lot of, like, clinics and sometimes, you know, health uh, – or not health uh, – high schools will host some – you know, special introductory, you know, how-to volleyball, um, things like that. But I'm not aware of anything that we do as a program, um, if we can do as a program. I know we've done it in the past, however, being so shorthanded with staff and um, people being committed to it, that's where I think maybe we can do better at, you know, creating those opportunities. Mm -hmm. But for now, um, that's where we stand. We just haven't been able okay. to right. revamp it again. Danny, how about you? Is is volleyball a sport that that players tend to start a little bit later in life as opposed to like basketball, for example? Well, um, in the summer times, a lot of the schools here, and and I'm not sure how other schools in the state, but they'll do the volleyball camp for the younger kids, and then you know go into middle school and high school so that you can introduce the sport to them. Um, we do that every summer so that we can build you know a feeder program. So. Um, we'll do a lot of that for, um, you know, just summer rec. We'll, we'll do that, too. We'll make sure that we have that during that time, too, which we sponsor here at the school. A lot of teams do, like she mentioned, was club volleyball. You know, it is expensive, so the, some of the girls that do have that opportunity, they get better because they're playing mm -hmm. with a high-caliber level of other players around the state or in 
a four-region state. So, um, yeah, those are mainly the opportunities that our girls can okay can have summertime. Thanks, Danny. And well, Joseph, you shared you've been coaching there at Stanford in School for about two years. And and how did you get introduced to the sport originally? Are you a former volleyball player yourself? So volleyball has been a long passion of mine um, going back since my high school days here. Um, unfortunately, in the state of New Mexico, there's no boys volleyball. Um, but um, the pre the coach at that time, um, Coach Sita Chavez, um, she probably remembers I would be at every of her games and um, so supporting our um, athletes at that time. And, and that's where my passion began to grow. Um, after high school, I did play on several teams, and I'm pretty sure several of my teammates um, that I played with in adult leagues and uh, adult tournaments are listening right now. Um, shout out to them as well. Um, and, and that's where it all started in, in just mm -hmm. falling in love with the sport and now trying to grow it. Um, I'm fortunate enough that a lot of those alumni that I supported during their playing times, I'm now coaching their girls and having a part now in understanding and growing them as young native women and teaching them the sport that i truly love and really am passionate for um it's just very exciting right now with where we're at and what we have done with the program and are continuing to build on the program um i actually have two young ladies two of my my players that just stepped in and wanting to listen into the podcast and, and they hold us accountable as coaches to ensure that we're also growing them um, in the sport and building on, on their passion for the sport. They also love. Fascinating. Joseph, why is that, that there aren't more boys volleyball programs at, at the high school level? And is that something that anybody's uh, looking to address specifically with regard to, to native schools like Santa Fe Indian? I think with volleyball, we're 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 at the slowly getting to the peak of selling the sport and putting it out there. Um, just recently at a coaches meeting, um, there was talks about um, bringing in boys volleyball in the state of New Mexico with our new activities association. Um, because now there's that high interest in the sport, which is super awesome. And I think this goes back to not only the club levels, but also within our Olympic level, where we're seeing a lot of interest in, in the sport and individuals wanting to, to play the sport. So I'm excited. I hope um, Santa Fe Indian School will bring in boys or men's volleyball. Um, Superintendent Abeda, if you're listening, I think this is something that <laughs> we would really love to bring to Santa Fe Indian School. And not only Superintendent, but Coach Brock, I definitely would love to have boys volleyball here. <laughs> okay. Well, I know it's huge on the West Coast. A lot of high school programs, college programs as well. Um, so, Joseph, my other question, we're, we're going to have to wrap up the show here in a couple of minutes, but I, I always feel like there's a little bit of a of a connection between the sport of volleyball and the sport of basketball. And um, do a lot of your players play both sports, volleyball in the fall, and then play basketball in the winter? 
definitely. Um, we actually have um, several of our girls that transition onto the Lady Braves basketball team. Um, they they try to juggle both sports even during off season. Um, just the level of commitment that they give to both the sport they love, which is basketball and volleyball, um, I owe it to them. Uh, very resilient young women that will will ensure that they're growing in both areas. Um, it's exciting to see them both on the volleyball court and the basketball court in being successful. Um, and, and that's the unique part of Santa Fe Indian School is that we come with that family atmosphere environment and support our kiddos on whatever court or playing field they, they choose to, to, to play. And Joseph, a typical volleyball practice there at Santa Finden School, what kind of drills do you work on and, and what are the core skills that you're looking to develop in your young players? Well, with our system of play, um, we're no longer the traditional running the high ball to the pin type system. We're, we're more in the fast pace um, type offense, um, running the middle, getting our back row involved. Um, we're really picking up a lot of the systems that are being run at the club level in being a fast-paced offense, um, running a defensive scheme that suits our offense. Um, and, and that's where I'm very grateful and happy to have the athletes and the young women that we do have. Um, they quickly adjusted. They learned the system. They're excited. Um, it's bringing a faster pace and a system that we all love to, to play. Um, and it started with the buy-in. Um, we continuously work on a fast-paced offense in practice. We run um, defensive drills that the girls really enjoy. <laughs> um, I don't want to give too much of, of what we do directly. but Not too it, much strategy. Something... <laughs> Not too much strategy. <laughs> yeah. Joseph, I'm sorry. We're going to have to wrap up the show. We're out of time. But I really appreciate you joining us along with Pam and Danny to talk a little bit of volleyball today from a Native perspective. Join us here at NAC again tomorrow for a conversation about the Wilma Mankiller Barbie doll and what it means to accurately honor Native Americans. Until then... Enjoy the rest of your day. Fry bread, that's the message. Support by Val's Fry Bread, providing her famous fry bread mixes and other products in wholesale and retail quantities at valsfrybread.com. Fry bread that will take you home, available wherever you live. Skuktash, support by Ramona Farms. For over 40 years, Ramona's American Indian Foods has revived tepary beans, panoli, traditional wheat flours, and more. Delivery for your holiday gatherings, available on orders placed at store.ramonafarms.com. Domnyot. How many 
Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.